I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radials, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to riot. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore!
team ever where it was just the most ridiculous I mean certain times we've been on a team where it's well funded the way it should be yeah you know when I directed with you know postal service yeah Toyota United so you know they uh well, what was Toyota United like that was because that was this that's kind of a weird team from the outside at least the guy came together with like an the guy came out of nowhere just put right. it all together did he like self-fund it, hoping that somebody else would pick it up? No, Toyota came on. Like, but the, I heard they didn't fully. It wasn't like I heard he was covering a large chunk of it. I have no idea. Oh, okay. Yeah, I direct. You direct. You don't I ask direct. questions. No, I mean no. I direct. I don't know the the money issues behind uh, Toyota United, but I thought Toyota United was putting in a, a, a good chunk of money. It was a great sponsorship, and I think, um, you know, as with many teams, I think sometimes the management handles things maybe. Uh, not the way the sponsor wants, and so yeah. the sponsor says, "Okay, we're done." Yeah, and so that was the end of that. But then they say, "Like, oh, yeah." Then what the rumor was or that that conspiracy theory stuff with how you got released from that team. Yeah, that's a whole other can of worms, which uh, <clears throat> I don't want to get into. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I was just with that. I'll talk yeah. about anything else, but with that, it's been uh, kind of a sticking point with. Uh, with uh, Toyota United and that, and so yeah, right, I don't feel right. like going down that road no, and, no, no. and dealing with that guy again. <laughs> uh, we should have. Lo- Let's start off with something even better. How's Nate English doing? Nate's doing better. Yeah. Uh, what happened? He got caught, like kind of in a crash, four k to go. He didn't go down, but off the road, got back up, situated himself, and you can imagine four k going into the finish, you're going fast. Yeah. Making his way through the cars, no problem. Got up to the second, to the end, second car. It was a COM1 car and the medical car. He was on the medical car. And he was just getting ready to come around. And then right at that instance, in the main field, a crash happened. So the COM1 and medical car slammed on their brakes. And he just nailed the back of the medical car. Going 40 miles an hour. Jonah said he just saw him ragdoll into the air. launched. Never seen anybody go so high. Really? Launched. Just launched and, yeah, and ragdolling. Just flipped, like, tumbling through the air. Did you instantly know it was your guy? No control, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, because I saw it happen. What is that feeling in your stomach? I'll tell you, I saw it happening because it was coming, and the crash happened, and it's like I was like, Nate, look up, look up, look up. So he had he was just buried. He was looking down, just he going. Was, he was, I mean. Not completely looking down. Exactly. Not completely looking down, but, you know, he's just buried. Like looking at. Like, and it was like that last moment where you're giving everything. It's like, all right, here I go. Yeah, he's like looking at the top of his tire or he's, something. Yeah, or a stem. And yeah. just like, all right, here I go. And I was like, look up, look up, look up. And he, and he didn't make it. And it was like, it's a matter, and we're talking about a matter, we're talking like sure. two, two seconds. Sure, sure, sure. Do you get like queasy in your stomach? Do you get sick? Yeah, I was just, 
I was more queasy and really sick when I ran over to the ditch and saw him. It was it was just evident when you saw him. Was he? Oh, he was. He landed upside down on his on his head and neck, and he was like like oh. if you were, if you were to do a rear uh, backward somersault, like your legs are over your head, and his neck is all twisted underneath, and he's just out, out cold for like minutes. Did you, could you tell he was breathing? Well, he was. That's the other thing is because he was going so hard, he was breathing like incredible. That's something at least. Like I don't want to say hyperventilating, but you know, because yeah. when you're going that hard, yeah, yeah, all of a sudden you stop. His and chest the, was going. He was going to zero. He was breathing. He was just like trying to recover, but he was out. His eyes were like his eyes were open. Yeah. Even though he's knocked out, it was glazed, and it was, I, was try, I was trying to talk to him. Nate, Nate, you're all right. You're here. You know, communicating with him, but not, there was no response at all. And it took a while until there was a little bit of a response. Like first, you know, moaning and groaning because he was in. You know, he's in a crash and. It was scary, you know. I'd never, I'd never been in something that was uh, that extreme. And blood, he had cuts and blood all over the place. And then, so two days in the in the hospital, and he has a fracture of uh, two vertebrae, kind of in his neck. No uh, spinal damage, though. No, he's he's fine. He's talking. He's up. He's got to wear a neck collar for like six to who knows eight weeks. Yeah. Which is uncomfortable. Just seeing him moving around is uncomfortable. But he'll he'll make you know he'll make a full recovery, and we're lucky. You know, it's lucky. It's lucky that he didn't land on the cement. Lucky he landed in the grass ditch. Lucky that uh, it wasn't something something worse. You know. It's weird when you think about how like because we block it out because you have to race. You know, like you have to do things in order to be a good bike racer. Like, um, no, totally. You can't think about the what ifs. And so it's always weird when it, it all of a sudden just hits you in the face, and then you kind of think like, how close is this to happening all the time? Like, is this a rare thing? Like, everybody says, oh, this is a rare one-off. It's not gonna happen. But it's like, how? When you were racing, how many close calls did you have? I mean, all the time. I, I always remember this one. Um, I was in. I think it was like three days to pan or some shit and you know that road like how it's just constantly tiny little Belgian roads and you're always slingshotting out of them and we finally got to this big highway one of the national roads big big one and uh, I had jackets and I was I had been riding with these jackets for fucking 30k <laughs> you know so finally we get to saying I'm like I can I can dump these jackets now and uh just one, because the, the, the pack was pinned completely on the right. It was maybe two or three abreast. So one, because because of that. And t the other thing is, I, I'm just a, a, an idiot. So I, I, I swing out of line to get to the back. But like I do it like in a fairly dramatic style. You know, you, you just do that sometimes. Yeah. There's no r need to swing all the way to the side of the road like in one and a half seconds but sometimes you just do it because you just do and as I did that there was a car passing to get up to the breakaway and he wasn't honking because you were we, all on the right we're side. all pinned on the right he didn't need to and you know he was going you know like toot sweet he was going yeah and uh the mirror of that car like I could I felt it like on my on my wrist so I was going maybe 28, and that car must have been going 80 miles an hour. You didn't go down? No, no. Like, it was it was that close. Like, where I could feel the, like, the... It's scary. Yeah, and I, I always remember that, like, the, the what-ifs, like, fuck. Yeah, you just assume, but... I just couldn't... I've got... had so many... I mean, and you, I'm sure yourself. Yeah. Just so many close calls. Is there Rubbing one... of the wheels and keeping it up and... Is there one close call in particular that sticks out? 
Or just too many of them? No, just any time, like, in a, in, a, in a field sprint in the Tour de France. You're, like, you're practically crashing, like... Like, how many front wheel slides 20, have you done? Yeah, that's my point. You practically feel like you're almost crashing, like, 25 different times. Yeah. You know? But but everybody's good bike handlers, so you're, like, you, you, you kind of get out of it, and sometimes it's just pure luck. Sometimes it's a little bit of skill. Yeah. But they're all close calls because if that guy would have moved one inch more over, yeah. you, you, you're, you know, you would have been taken out. And, and you see in the crashes all the time that guys get taken out. But you know, you can't. You don't, especially when you're when you're, you're when you're young, you don't think about it at all. You're invincible, and you do anything, and you dive the corners, and you'll take you do whatever. And it's, uh, that, I mean, if you think about the what ifs, you can't be a good bike racer because you start hitting your brakes. You, you can't you can't I, keep up. I saw even today here at Tour Utah or yesterday on the descents. You can see guys that just cannot go downhill, and it's because of the speed, they're scared. Yeah. And they get dropped. I saw guys like climbing with the best. Every time we hit a downhill, they'd get dropped. Then they'd catch back up and they'd get dropped. Mm. And it's overcoming that. And there was a guy in the Tour de France this year with Pinot. Yeah, he just straight left the race. He was so he was so frazzled because he can't go downhill. And the thing is, a lot of people don't realize the speeds that we go downhill. It's flat out. How do you feel about that? Like. What do you mean? Okay. All right, let's slow down. No, no, yeah, like, because you can only go so fast downhill, right? At, at, at a point. There, there's a limit before you're taking, there's moderate risk and then there's real risk. So, like, when a guy like uh, Nabali is saying, like, oh, well, I'm going to, uh, I'm really going to attack Froome on the descent. Is there a point where, like, it's not... It's not like the risk is too 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 much for like the, at what the point, risk is too much for the reward. Yeah, to like get, at what to point? Get 10 is, seconds. Yeah, at what point is Nabali like unnecessarily endangering other people too instead of just himself? Because it's like, you know what, dude? Like now we're gonna have to chase you, and you're not gonna fucking get anywhere, and you're just doing this to like to boost up your Italian pride. I don't know. I mean. You could say the same thing when Froome was complaining about Contador when he attacked them. No, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a better parallel, on, yeah. On, on the descent. And, you know, Contador, is, he's a good descender. Yeah. And so he's taking his chance and go. And Froome is not a good bike handler. Huh. And so he's, you know, it's bike racing. And that's, you know, and I think as a, as a cyclist, with those guys in those situations, or even when I would, you know, get dropped in the mountains and I got a bomb descent, I would say I'm not a, at a super high risk but I'm at medium to high risk. Yeah. I'm like, I'm on the limit, like saying, yeah. oh God, oh God, here we go, I gotta make this, I gotta make this, right. and the next corner coming up, and just, just, I'm risking it, I'm going for it. You know, it's the only way to keep up. And yeah. same thing in the sprints. Yeah. The gaps, the, the, the speed. But I think it's different when you're doing it for yourself. If you're in the breakaway, you're a solo breakaway and you're bombing it, or if you're behind, you're trying to catch up, it's like you're not risking anybody else. But I kinda. You don't think that way, you know that. Yeah, I and you're know. flying down. The thing you're thinking about how fast I can go if I can get away. It's like everybody behind you. That's their problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, and it's different if you're in, if you're in a group, and you know, there's the median is coming up, or there's a pothole. You point that out. Yeah. But you don't want anybody to hit it. Yeah. But if you're on a descent, you don't. You just go. Yeah. Keep, all right, keep up if you can. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I just sometimes I feel. I guess I. Like you, you see people just taking risk for no real reason. And it kind of endangers the group. You know, maybe say like in a criterion when a guy comes up to the inside and he doesn't even know why he's moving up. He's just it's racing. No, I'm not saying it no, should no, no, be no. I'm not saying it should be I'll not agree with, I'll agree with you there. Yeah. You know? But in that guy's head, he's doing what he needs to do in order to move up. 
And then everybody else is like, what is this guy doing? Because yeah. yeah, he is coming up on the inside, risking crashing everybody. But to him, that's, that's his style. And I'm sure enough, everybody yells at him. But sometimes the guys, they don't, they don't, they don't learn the lesson. You know who the worst at that was? It was is Steve Tilford. I remember McCook. McCook was just flat crazy. And like, I think McCook knew he was being a bit of an asshole. Where Steve Tilford like had this like air of righteousness about it, which made it even more aggravating. He would say, he was like, I know what I'm doing. I'm not dangerous. And it's like, I just don't think that's the appropriate response to being an asshole. Yeah, there, there needs, there has to be some etiquette in bike racing to be able to remain upright, right. really. Because right. nobody wants to go sliding across the ground, you know, because yeah. if somebody decides they want to do whatever they want to do, you know, screw everybody else. Um, I do a thing now where if I have to get to the front in a hurry and I'm shooting the inside on somebody, like, I'll call it out from behind. So that makes it better? <laughs> I'll apologize, too. Like, I'll come up from behind, and I'll, I'll just scream, like, hot route! And then, like, I'll give them a little wave, like, sorry about that. I'll just... it's, you give you let yourself off the hook when you're doing it, you know? Give much. So if you excuse it, it's okay? It's probably not, but in this moment, in the race, I feel like it is. It's like... I even maybe there, give, I good, even give myself like a little pat on the back. Like, it wasn't that nice of me to say sorry. Like, nobody else does that, Creed. You're so. But the thing is, you don't do it every single time. Every once in a while, you get caught in a situation sure, where sure. you are diving on the inside, and you're like, "Whoa, sorry." Yeah. But when it's re- you know when it's twenty five times in a race, and the guy keeps doing the same thing after a while, yeah. you're gonna look out for that guy, and you're gonna chop. We uh, uh first year on Postal did a uh, four days Dunkirk. You remember? that last day circuit race they would always do? Along just... along the railroad tracks. Uh, okay, maybe it was the last along day. Along the coast, I think? The one with the hill on oh, it. Oh, Dunkirk. I'm thinking of uh, Three Days at Depana. Yeah, yeah, no, Dunkirk. Right, Dunkirk, okay. You know yeah, that yeah. one with the hill the shit, on it? It's just, it's just a shitty race is Depana. Yeah, yeah. But they had this circuit. It was a little like Redlands. Cobbled hill in there, didn't it? Yeah. It was a little like Redlands where it was a flat section and then you just hit this climb and it was a big race to the bottom of this climb. Yeah. And uh, I'd come just straight from the U.S., you know, like, grew up on Criterium Racing. So I knew all about the, like, outside-outside or inside-inside, just coming in hot, like, late-breaking motherfuckers. So I had this I had this system down on this course because it went from, like, six lanes to one, and that was the start of the climb. But I knew that if I just left it super late that I could go from, like, you know... 80th to 15th and uh, there's always that guy on the edge right there's always that gatekeeper and four laps in a row it was the same guy it was uh, Frank Hoy oh yeah yeah. and I, I forget what fuck he maybe he's on Gallsteiner and uh, so I did it to him a couple times and he, I heard him mumble something I did it to him a third time I mean it was, it was it was blowing me away that he was still the gatekeeper like all these laps and then he yelled at me the third time. The fourth time, I'm, I see him, I, and I I thought, like, oh, I wasn't going to do it. Like, I'm in good enough position. But because it was Frank, I was like, I have to do it again, man. <laughs> you got to test him. Yeah, yeah. Hello? What's going on, girlie? Nothing. Good. Later. You need some? No. Okay. Um, so... I, I, I start to he sees me coming I don't back off 
I still go for it. We end up rubbing shoulders all the way through the turn, hit out, and then that was the lap like that Chavanel attacked. So we're full gas, Frank and I. We're maybe like ninth and tenth place, and he's trying to chase me down to yell at me. <laughs> he's to, to tell me what a fuck I yeah. am, and I'm just trying to like not get caught by him. And through this alone, like I made the like the front group at like twelve. And uh, the next day, Dirk Demol was like, oh, that was really impressive, man. How'd you do that? That was incredible. It was like, uh, I was more actually running away from a motherfucker. <laughs> Scared Frank Coy. I didn't, I mean, I didn't know him from fucking Bill, but I didn't want to get yelled yeah, at, really. Were you like that in the pack? Were you kind of like a patron in your own way? Like, would you call people out or you just got on with it? I didn't have any responsibility or power over anyone, no. What was it like that year on Kofidis? Like, because you know, like Lance was going to come that, that year. Kofidis, the three of you, it was you, Lance, Kevin, maybe Bobby, and Bobby, and Bobby, yeah. and then Lance got cancer, yeah. and then you were like the lone American on this French team. Well, doing it was the Bobby classics. and Kevin, but you were the classics guy. Oh yeah, no, I was. I was the lone guy. Was that correct? For the classics, that team was a mess because it was a first year team. Yeah. And There's always some teething problems with the oh, And then it was a French team. Major, yeah. Cyril Guimard, I didn't get along with him very good. I didn't like him very much. And that was training been... wheels we used at home, we had to bring to use for our racing wheels. We had these first generation aluminum, aluminum uh, Fondria spikes, and they were like noodles, spaghetti. So, And we'd complain about them all the time. And Fondrius was on the team. Lomager was on the team. So Fondrius would be like, no, no, there's no problems with the bike. Roslato won 10 races last year. Right bikes are great. We're like, bullshit, man. These bikes are horrible. Right. And, uh, you know, they wouldn't use, uh, like, you know, an electrolyte mix. No, they used this, like, syrup stuff. They'd pour it into your water bottles oh, to use for that. So we, French. We did Saint, Saint Sebastian, the classic. We got halfway through the race, and the team completely ran out of water and food in, in, the, in the cars. Come on. No, nothing. And at the finish, you can imagine there was no water or food and stuff like that. And so this was common stuff, like, all the time. It was just a shit show the entire, oh. the entire year. So I got out. I was like, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. And, uh... Bobby and Kevin stayed, and of course in 98, oh, it's so much better, it's so much better, and I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> There's yeah. no way I believe that. <laughs> Were they trying to get you to come back? No, 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 because no, you're in the races talking about it. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. How's this guy, how's this guy? Oh, it's so much better, yeah, this is good, and I'm like, bullshit. No way. <laughs> uh, what? That must have been crazy, though, going from like a pretty Anglo-American team and then going straight to Kofidis and like now you're on the super French team and the classics like you always liked the classics I did thing. like the classics and I had uh, some freedom but at that time the leader of the team for the classics was uh, Philippe Goumont mm. yeah right right, right. He, he died yeah a month ago two months ago yeah. time, time goes by kind of quick and I was on the team with like uh, him and Laurent Desbiens and this Christophe Renero and um like I said, Fondrius, Romager. Do you get along like with them, or are they just uber French? You just kind no, of at the table, it's uber French, but super nice guys. Yeah. And they love having a good time. Yeah, which, yeah. which was part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a lot of uh, still-knock stories. Yeah, exactly. But also, you grow up with a certain attitude of how to be a professional and the sacrifices you need to make. And on yeah. that French team... They, they never heard of sacrifices. Really? No, they barely trained. They'd go out and smoke cigarettes. They'd drink. They'd take all the still knocks, Gumon, and the other guys would just, they were crazy. I mean, in, in my eyes, I was like, you guys are nuts. Crazy. And they would just do all this kind of fun, living it up, partying lifestyle, and just go out and race. And Was it because, like, in Europe, the cycling's a little bit more blue-collar, so you get more blue-collar guys going for it? 
I think it's just yeah, I, I've never been on a, another European team like that. So these French guys were nuts. And I don't know if the other European teams were like that. Sure, sure. But you hear stories about, like, Vandenbroek. Yeah, right, right. And uh, Boonen and, and, and other, you know. So I think the, these Euro guys, uh, they party, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and it's different, you know. I grew up, like, you know, you know, don't drink, eat yeah, your salad, yeah, yeah. sit in your room all day long, legs up. These guys are out at the disco. Yeah. Uh, and they still kick my ass the next day. I remember having a couple of the riders on a pulse like we'd be in some race and Pat McCarty and I would be excited because we had the new Chappelle show and we were going to watch Chappelle show that night and then the other riders like oh we're going to go to the brothel you know and they couldn't understand like we would try to get them to watch the Chappelle show with us <laughs> and they, they'd watch it for like five minutes and they're like brothel's better <laughs> yeah I don't know we gotta I'll see you guys later how's the race going for you guys this week good until yesterday yeah, so Mansebo got in the in the move, and what, did he do too much work, or he just had a bad day? No, he, you know, you get in a break for a 119 mile race, and you do any work, you're gonna you're, you're on the pedals, yeah. Yeah, you're not gonna have uh, you're not gonna have that power or energy on a, on a large final climb to keep up with pro tour riders, right. and you know Mansebo, he, he's. Tactically, he's he's very intelligent. He's strong, and but he's not Superman. And so I think sometimes he still thinks he's Superman, and he just he worked too much in the break. And he was riding on the front. Stemper was riding on the front. And, and from the morning meeting, you know, we talked about look, if you get in the break, just cruise. Yeah. Do nothing. Cruise like everybody else, because half the group was sitting on. And if you get caught, then so be it. Reshuffle the deck and go again. And so. Um, little communication problem you know they, they knew what I wanted and Paco and, and you know Paco was saying ride 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 is so, that is that frustrating in uh it's gotta be so frustrating in a team car now especially without radios that you're seeing this and then okay so then you no, see you guys com- riding really hard so you feel like okay they must feel amazing no. like they must know something I don't and then so you kind of give them the benefit of the doubt for that second, and then they just get dropped in the climb. In this case, there was no benefit of the doubt. I no, you were furious. I was, yeah, very much so. Yep, and I let them know it after the race too. You know, it's like we make a plan. You got to stick with the plan. If the plan doesn't work, then it, it's my fault. Right. But if you do your own plan and go out there and screw everything up, it's yeah. my fault. Yeah, lose my way. Lose it, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And just be smart about bike racing. You can't be in a 119 mile break, ride in the break, and expect when. Horner and Boucher and 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 uh, Craddock and yeah. who's the guy that won? Um, uh, Lachlan. Lachlan. When these guys are flying up the climb, you're going to be able to stay with them. Yeah. You have to be as fresh as possible to stay with these yeah, guys. Yeah, you have to. And it's, it was it was a big break. And anytime a big early break goes, it's so rare that you don't have at least half the group sitting on. Yeah, and, and the time gaps were small, so I knew they were going to chase it down and keep the gap small. You yeah, know, it he, never got more than four or five no. minutes. Did it? So it was it was uh, it was frustrating. Yeah. So it was frustrating. So now. RGC is gone, and um, you know there's crazy hard stages. That, you know this race is ridiculously hard. So I don't know what we're going to come out of this with. I don't get. I mean, I've I've only stopped racing for a couple of months, but I there's not a part of me that wants to race really. But <clears throat> maybe an easier race, maybe not this race. But I am kind of jealous of tonight's stage. So that's gonna be really cool. Thirty-five miles circuit through downtown, like yeah. so you know it's just gonna pop off and it's gonna be really really exciting but it's like a crit yeah and that's what I told the guys it's like I don't have a plan for today I said race it you race it like a crit yep. it's a crit you gotta judge your gaps bridge across be in the move if you can numbers and 
racist, it's, it's a criterion. This is a criterion that has a big hill in it, and that's how you got to handle it. And, you know, in a crit, you can't really have too much of a strategy because you don't know who's going to attack what groups are going to go off the front. Yeah. You just got to, numbers, as you just said. You got to yeah. have a presence. Yeah. Um, when, when you have a, a guy like Paco, he has like a little controversy or history behind him. Do you feel like it's unfair that maybe it comes, you you get any flack when Garmin maybe has the same kind of history with some of their riders, or do you not even care at all? You just not pay attention. No, I pay attention. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not as aware as how much flack. Well, no, I mean Garmin obviously has received uh, a good amount of uh, you know criticism. They get a lot of praise too, and, and a lot of praise. Yep, and I, I think I, I like the stance that Jonathan took. I like. Yep, and I think is right. Yep, and with Mancebo, um, you know, if if the authorities contact him, I hope that he would come forward and, and and speak with them if that were to be the case. And I've I've definitely had conversations with him and urged yeah. him to do the same thing if, if that yeah. were to happen. And so, you know, the past was a crazy time, yeah. and yeah. we're we're trying to get away yeah. from it and. Yeah. There's always, you know, it's we're at a point now where there's a few leftover athletes from that time. It's just a matter of years. It might take another three or four years until that is gone. Yeah. But for now, there are still riders racing now that raced back then, and um, you know, we're trying to, you know, I can only handle things on my end by lecturing all the guys I have now, regardless if they're young or old. Yeah. Like, look, no, you know, you can't mess around with this stuff. You can't do it. You know, the whole no tolerance thing. Yeah. And do you remember when I called you when I signed with Postal? Do you remember this? Nah. Uh, it was so it must have been like winter of '03, and uh, I called you. And I was like, "Hey, man, are you I, coming off the national team?" Yeah. Okay, I do remember. Yeah. I called and I, I said, uh, "Hey, man, I have this offer from Postal. Like, it looks like it's gonna happen." And you're like, yeah, that's great. And then I asked you, I was. Just I remember like, you asking me about the, the doping, yeah, the drugs. I asked you, and like, I think, like, it's stuff like that that keeps people away from it. Because like, I, I just straight asked you, I'm like, Frankie, like, is this something that I need to consider or do or whatever? And you just quick, so quick, just like, no, dude, don't worry about it. You know, like that's. But you don't need to do it. No, you don't. But like, you're not gonna win a grand tour, right? But that that was my point to you is that it's not something that you need to do or you're going to have to do. Yeah. You know, you can race in Europe and be fine. Yeah. And, but I just think for like all the anti-doping zealot talking and like rah-rah and drum beating, like I think that's where, and it's a horrible cliche and so I could come in my head, but like that's where the rubber meets the road right there is when you finally, you have people in your life that you can trust you know, that you can call up and they're just going to tell it to you without dramatic flair or morality. It's just, no, dude, you don't need to do it. Like, end of conversation. Yeah. And I try, I mean, that's one thing I try to be is completely upfront with the guys that I direct, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to have a job, if you're not going to have a job, what you did well, what you didn't do well. Right. Just, it's, it's, it's you know, a lot of things, it's just black and white. And... You know, they'll ask me questions about it, and I'll talk to them about the past, and I'll talk to yeah. them about, you know, the changes that have been made, and there's been a lot of changes. Yeah. And because that's the whole thing about learning from the past. It's like I don't want anyone racing now or getting ready, you know, making that jump to be able to have to go through kind of the 
the bad decisions that we made or the pressure that maybe um, you know a lot of us felt. Yeah. You know. Uh, but I mean, so like you, you and your wife's life have been fairly public with all this stuff that's been happening, and uh, it's does it like cause like any? And you could tell me to fuck off because your home life is your home life. But, like, it, does it cause any tension that you still really love bike racing? Like, you love going to race. I could see it. Like, you really enjoy racing. I do. I love it. And does it cause any tension at the home sometimes when you're, like, still going to these to these events where maybe Betsy's like, why are you still... Oh, yeah. She's told me many times to get out of cycling. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, and this whole, you know, the whole drama thing from the last however many years. Sure. Definitely... Uh, was stressful and you know a lot of people like oh how'd you guys you know still remain married and all that stuff like that I mean I mean sure it was stressful and there was there was a lot of yelling and 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 conflicts but at the same time I think in a way because we were both going through it together uh we had we kind of had that attachment that we we had we both had to get through this yeah and um and it was fine I mean it was never you know our marriage was never in trouble or anything like that but it was definitely. I just, know, yeah. She was. She was. She was very talkative, and I was like, "Shut the hell up!" I'm trying to make my living in cycling, and I yeah. love cycling, and I, you know, I get excited for the races. I yeah. like being there. Yeah. It's, and you don't want to talk about the same subject subject over and over and over and over again. Yeah. It's just to the point where you're like. And then at home, yeah, at home, I'm like, I don't even want to hear about it. You know, I had Lance Armstrong's name going. You know, talking too much in my house for yeah. many years, and I was like, I'm done with this. I don't need but it's got to be like, it. it's got to be surreal when you. You go through all this, and then your wife's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go on CNN. I gotta go. I'm gonna go to CNN or something." You're just gonna be like, <sighs> "No." At that point, I was like, "Go for it." Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, she wanted to clear her name and prove that both of us didn't lie. And there was times where it was very divided. And I'm trying to make my living in cycling, and it was divided enough where it was very anxious for me to go to races, walk around. I didn't know who I could say hi to, who was my friend. It was it was weird. That's gotta suck, man. It was very awkward, and you either on you know you were on Lance's side, or you were on our side, in, in a roundabout way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but then afterwards, once you know all that all the Oprah stuff started happening and stuff like that, she'd been through. I, I owed it to her. She deserved to be able to yeah. go to be able to go speak her mind and kind of get it off her chest and I'll, yeah. you know, and, and kind of have closure. To have closure and be done with it, you know, and. Uh, and so no, I was happy for her, and I supported her to go and, and speak her mind, and yeah, and you know, and that was closure. That was that was kind of the end of it all, and well, the end of it all at our end. I mean, yeah, he's got all sorts of problems, you know, which I think is it's deserving what's coming to him, but what's unfair is there's a lot of people that supported him and made a lot of money off him, yeah, and they're only coming after his money, yeah. Whereas you have agents and other people that are around him that that helped him. Make all that money, and they made a ton of money off him too. And they probably and, put. They, and they're just coming after him for his money. Everybody else is just snickering and watching him just fall. But here, uh, I I don't want to make this about Lance, but I well, just the final question. Yeah, yeah, but I just think I to go to go to tag what you just said. I think what keeps us in line to for a greater extent isn't necessarily always our morality as much as we can only get away with so much I mean, we, we only have so much money to do things we only have so many people who will enable us we don't you know like we have 
very real constraints in our life. And I think Lance, he had enough money, and he had pe- nobody who would tell him no. I mean, at least that we know of. Right. And if maybe somebody would against him, he would he would push him aside. So like, there's that saying with somebody that you want to self destruct that you don't you know when you don't want to stop them, you say like, oh, I'm gonna give him enough rope to hang himself. And I f- and I feel like Lance was given enough rope to hang himself three or four times over. Well put. Yeah. You know, and it's there wasn't he didn't have that person to just like like here was a kid, no father, rebel from the fucking word go. Yeah. You know, like he wasn't gonna listen to nobody, man. No. And if no. It was his way or you got booted out of the out of the circle. So yeah, so if you knew that and you knew you were gonna make fat fucking cash and everybody likes being on the winning side. Yeah, for sure. Everybody. For sure. For it, sure. Yeah. You you will make excuses for a lot of shit when you're winning, and you're making fat cash. But his comeback, that was one of the big mistakes. And whoever that, said, okay, that's a great idea. The thing, I would love to talk to Floyd and just say, like, dude, if, what do you think would have happened if Lance signed you? Like, when you when you want you asked him to be, to come back to the team. It's a crazy thought. Yeah, it is. It's a crazy fucking thought. I, I, I don't. Things could have changed, but the thing is, you still have Tyler, that was out there. Yeah, but Floyd was the fucking just the wild card man. He was a madman. He didn't stop. You know, like he really. He was the one who launched legal proceedings, and. You know, but I think eventually, eventually, you burn so many people, they get pissed, and so. Tyler was there. Yeah. The hospital room incident was there. Yeah. And there were a lot... And, and I'll tell you, the, the thing is, too, on the comeback, it's Lance Armstrong. And it's like it's like with anybody that's that successful, yeah. Tiger Woods, yeah. the target on your back is massive. People dig. Yeah, if you put yourself out there... People dig. And yeah. they, they, they'll, they'll dig for a long time. Yeah. We don't talk about that guy anymore. Uh, so, dude, like, you didn't get a... You're, you don't get renewed, and then... Uh, your final year as a pro, you retire. Yeah. And this is what blew me away, because here's a guy, you've ridden all these Tour de France's, you've helped the guy win the Tour de France. You have fucking experiences. Like, you, on any measurement, uh, any weight or measure, your cycling career, in the 99th percentile of people who've taken out racing licenses. Right? Like, or you're the top. Well, you're I, the fucking top. I appreciate right? that. And... Did you, like, start some coaching business and, like, kick your heels up and pay a bunch of interns to write coaching plans or whatever? No, you went, you signed on with the national team and went to under-23 races with, like, Peyton and I. It was great. Dude, it's it's the, probably the highlight of, like, I'll <laughs> always remember those days. I, rem- I, I, can, and I, I forget a lot of races, but I can remember being at that race. And yeah. you did an excellent job at the race too, with the climbing and at that race and stuff like that. I remember staying in these. God, what did we stay? We stayed these in little cabins. Cabins, like some yeah. weird stuff. But um, I remember constantly. I remember constantly busting your balls for cereal money. Just we'd just go to your it, like twice a day. We'd have to go like, dude, we're out of cereal. And you wouldn't <laughs> fucking believe it. You'd come in the room and check, and there's this. We were just eating, but just it, even. I mean, I don't know, maybe I was 21 or so at the time. 
Like, that's how much you fucking love bike racing, man. Like, yeah. you didn't need to do that. Like, it wasn't like the national team was paying you. No, like, nothing. But I, yeah. I, you know, I was fortunate enough when I was on 7-Eleven that I had, like, Finney, Kiefel, Leonard Harvey Nitz was my mentor. You know, even, and even after that, like, Phil Anderson, Steve Bauer, Sean Yates. And these guys helped me out a lot. They taught me a lot to how to be a pro, how to get through the races and stuff like that. And, yeah. it, it, I mean, it was so beneficial and so important. Yeah. And I just, I had to follow in those footsteps. And anytime, you know, when young guys would come on the team, yeah, you know, I would share everything I had with them. This is what you got to do. This is what you're going to do. It's like, you know, I wasn't competitive in a way. If these guys are going to be better than me, they're going to be better than me. Yeah. You but, weren't trying to box them out. No, give them their opportunity. It's the same thing. We'll go with the national team with these young guys. It's like, yeah, man, I want to help these guys out. They're exciting youngsters that are coming yeah. up that have an opportunity to make a living in the sport of cycling. And that's my number one goal with even the guys with Five Hour Energy. It's like, look, I want to help you if you can make a living in the sport of cycling and if you can advance I'll do everything I can to help you and so you know I'll talk to them about different teams I'll give you know tell them to take options and um, you know and there's 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 guys who I've had on my team in the past who I've told to go to a different spot yeah who I've told look you should go to this place you should look into this guys who said hey maybe what should I do because I want what's best for them yeah. I'm not going to be selfish in that aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I enjoyed working with you guys a lot. It was great. Oh, it, well. was a, it was a blast. You remember the the stage race in Belgium that paid one? Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. I remember we were doing some fuck circuit, right? And uh, some Arden's circuit. Yeah. And I just bonked really bad, like second or third stage, whatever. Maybe 10K from the finish. I just dropped anchor. And you came by in the team car. You were on the phone... So you had the phone, I'm coming, you're passing me driver's side. You had the phone, your left hand, you take your hands off the steering wheel, grabbing an energy bar, hands it, you like, you didn't even look at me? You just had this like natural, like, it, you made it look like fluid motion. It was, I remember you being like really impressed at the time. Like that was a no look energy bar pass in a car. <laughs> like, I don't know, you're made for fucking directing sometimes. I don't know about that, but uh, uh, it was good. The one I remember is the French race, though, with you climbing. Yeah, yeah, that doing was Doing super well, bombing down the descent. I was scared to death behind you. Yeah, I remember. I turfed it. Yeah. It I fucking crazy. ate shit. Was I, I was so panicked because I really wanted to win this race. That was nuts. So we came up over the top, and I have a team car behind me, and that means you have, like, a minute gap, right? And for the descent, so I was really excited. And then I had, like, I had Frankie Andre following me. Like, that's fucking awesome, man. Like, And I had been bragging all week how much I was kicking these dudes ass on descents. I've been just at the table big up in myself. So now I was like put up or shut up. So I just started railing that descent. And then I just I fuck it. I, I don't grab too much front brake, whatever, tipped over. And you just picked up my bike and you just like as calm as could be, you're like, take it easy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like I, okay, we finished. We get down the descent, you pull up next to me in the car, he said, uh is everything okay? And I was like, ah, my bike's not shifting great. And you're like, yeah, you crashed. <laughs> <laughs> like, you were just so calm. And like, yeah, fuck, you're right. Yeah, I did crash about that. That'll mess it up. <laughs> That'll mess it up. Remember, uh, you were going to be the rock racing director for a while. I did, for one year. But, when, oh yeah, you did for one year. And then the year I was going to come on board, we were working, we were working it out. And like, oh yeah, let's do this. And then the last second... 
because I spoke with you and some other guys saying, hey, this is really good, really good. But then yeah. when I was there, I was dealing with one guy, and I never dealt with Michael Ball. And then by the end, by the who end, were you dealing with? Mitch, Mitch Cebulski. Mitch. Or yeah. Holden. Holden, yeah. Holden, Mitch Cebulski. So never had to deal with Michael Ball. But by the, the, the fall going into winter, Michael Ball got very much involved. Yeah. And had all these crazy ideas. I want this, I want this. He wanted an 18-wheeler, and I'm like, and all sorts of stuff. And then it, he started hiring a lot of guys that I disagreed with right. on his hiring. Um, and and there was another a, a financial thing that was going on. And so I was like, I quit. And so I just quit. I, I quit because I wasn't going to be part of it. And, you know, rock racing went on, and there was a lot of controversy around that. Fuck, that was cool. And, you know, and it was, you know, it was great kids and great PR and all that stuff like that. It was, it was great watching everybody, watching you guys race, but I didn't want to be a part of it. It was, it yeah. was, a, it was a different atmosphere. Yeah. It was, you know, than, than, what, I, than what I wanted. And, uh, but I, you know, at the time, like I think when I talked with you, it was good, you know? Yeah, it was, I mean, for me, I was coming out of Otter's team and I was a pretty angry guy and I was having these back issues. I didn't know why. And I was, I was just really angry at cycling. So I think at that moment, like the Michael Ball thing kind of was fun because he didn't have any tradition. He didn't, uh, you could do what you want. He gave the finger to cycling, you know, and, and you got to stand behind that. So that was, there was a fun side of that. Um, how did you deal with, cause when I was directing, a lot of people creed, he's crazy. You yeah, know, yeah, you don't yeah. want to mess around with him. He's a, he's a high yeah, head and all that yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. And I never had that problem with you. Yeah. I always said no. You know, I disagree. Yeah. And I said, you know, you're a, a big talent, a great climber, but a lot of people didn't want to touch you because they thought you were your personality, you're nuts. Right. How did you deal with that? You know, like it took me a long. Or did it affect you? Do you think you'd lost jobs maybe because of that? I know. Yeah, I know. I lost a ton of jobs. I mean, I couldn't get some teams to call me back. Like, not even a... Yeah. I, my, a big problem I have is that I feel like we're all in on the joke together. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like if I make... Like, when I start being, like, silly and making jokes and, like, busting balls, I don't recognize that not everybody wants to get their balls busted. And, like... Some people are taking this, uh, they have an idea of what cycling professionalism is, and we, we all don't agree. You know, for me, being professional was going to bed hungry, waking up early, training court, like, all these things, because I, I, was, I was just like a Nazi about that. Like, I was so regimented, you know, like, with intervals and food and everything. And I never really got the uh, the other side of it. So when I would meet those people who did the other side of it more, like I, I yeah, yeah, maybe I reacted badly. But I like Pate. Or no, no, Pate. Pate was on the same page. I mean, we both did the same thing. Pate and I would go train ridiculously hard, and yeah, we didn't give a fuck about the wearing a team polo to to dinner or. Yeah. Uh, there's like a Mike Birbiglia quote about like sometimes you have to give up on being right it's not about being right anymore it's just about being a good person and like I I feel like I'm starting to learn that but 
I think when you're so hard on yourself, maybe you just assume other people are going to be that hard on themselves. And it's not always true, you know? No, not at all. And I think I would... I think I would call... I would, I would let people know that. And I don't know. It just... You know how, like, you, you try so hard to, like, get along with people? Like, you try really hard. Like, I'm willing to forgive a lot if we're all just going to sit here and admit that it's ridiculous we're getting paid to race against each other. Like, we're so lucky we don't live in any realm of reality you know we, we live in a make-believe world and when somebody doesn't agree with that like I really get you know like I'm sure you guys have stories with the pro tour guys like the pro tour guys being snobs or you know like telling them the pro tour guys feel like they can tell the the domestics when to race and when not to race yeah you know? Yeah, yeah, for and sure, from California and different races, definitely. No, no, and I, I will, f- I, I, I don't fucking play that game, you know? Like, so I guess that's where people could say, like, yeah, I'm a hothead, or... Yeah, I mean, I... No, but I, what I meant a little bit is that you like to have fun and joke around and bust people's balls, and some people took that the wrong way. Yeah, for sure. And you were more relaxed about it. You go back in the 80s and you look at Greg LeMond. Greg LeMond used to, let's just say, watch MTV, go fishing and do all this stuff. And they're like, whoa, what the hell is this guy doing? Yeah. He's at a level Yeah. when you're that good. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. People are like, all right, it doesn't matter, right? When you're that good, they, 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 look, they look past things. But you used to, like, have fun and screw around and all that stuff. And they took that sometimes, I think, the wrong way as though, oh, Creed's not serious. He's just a goofball. Yeah, because, He's because a moron they, and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, because they, they didn't, like, go to races with me or see me train. Yeah. You saw that. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, came, yeah, yeah. You came. That's what I'm saying. I, I, yeah. In my, that's, that's what I'm coming, coming around. I think sometimes you got a pretty un, an unfair uh, shake. No, and it, even you know? even now, like I went to dinner with some friends. Friends, I, I mean, I'd stayed at this guy's house before. Like I stayed at this guy's house for two months, and uh, I had dinner with him just before I came here. The night before I came here, and we were talking about. Uh, I wanted I wanted to get a person he works for in the podcast, and we, he didn't want it because he didn't want. Maybe I would ask him. He said I was a wild card. Because you're my creep. Yeah. <laughs> and so, perfect example. Yeah. Of what I'm talking and so about. then I sat down and we talked about it, and I just told him my view on some things. And he was like, "Yeah, you know what? Like, yeah, that that's right." And you're surprised. Like, he had this really backhanded way of. It was a super backhanded compliment that just made me die laughing. It was uh, up until recently, you know, we used to think of this, and it was just like up until recently, like up until recently, we always used to oh, think that you're wild. Until you retired. Yeah, I. Well, there, I'll have to bring but, this up. There was a one point where I think New York Velocity asked you to go on a blog with them, and then Betsy was going to be on it. Yeah. And you refused to go on it. No, I, I, I. Or you turned it down. They asked if we wanted to. Okay, this is what happened. We did a like a tour chat style thing. Like, I found a sponsor who would pay for all the bandwidth, and we would live commentate instead of having the people to listen to uh, uh, Liggett and Sherwin, right? And but like anything, I think Smalls and I would do like two hours, two and a half, some maybe longer. But like, there's only so much you talk about, so sometimes we would bring guests on. Uh, and this is my rationale behind it so you can call total bullshit on it and I won't be offended but I'm so tired of talking about doping because I love cycling I think it's 
I love the process. I love watching it. I love seeing things happen. I feel like talking about doping is it's it's tabloid. It's for people who don't enjoy cycling. It's it's easier to talk about morality and um, uh, things that you can feel. But it's easier to talk about morality and what you should do and the and talking cliches about the future than to actually sit down and watch a bike race because bike racing, like by large extent, is fucking boring. True. So it's easier to just talk about doping. You you can become engaged. Like uh, like people get mad at Lance. Like people who had no association with him. I get when you guys got mad at Lance. But like somebody from the outside would get mad at Lance. Like oh, rah, rah. but that's because when you're angry, you have a point of view. You know what I mean? Like if you're agreeable and a nice guy, it's hard to have a point of view. But when you're mad and angry, like uh, I'm, I'm upset. I have a point of view. It's about morality. Here's you. You've you've let everybody know who you are, and the and why velocity guys love talking about doping. They they really like it, and uh, they're like, hey, why don't we bring uh, Betsy on? I I just didn't want to talk about doping because I think I don't remember what it was in that moment, but she was in the in the news at that moment. Oh, I'm sh- I'm she's always in the I've, news in the mix of things. right, but it was it was like just fresh. I got it. It was. You know what I mean? Like, so I knew it was going to come up, and I just... No, I understand. You didn't want to deal with it. I've been there I many have, times where I don't feel like talking I have about nothing against... And didn't, didn't want to... Uh, yeah. Didn't want to deal with it. No, I was just... I, I, yeah, no, no, no. I'm glad you I, did. I remember... I'm glad you did. When that happened, and... Yeah, it's... Uh, no, I'm glad... I'm, but for us that love cycling, I get tired of talking about doping, too. And it's a shame that it's a part of the sport. Or what, let's say, was a part of the sport, and hopefully it changes. It's not going to be, you know, not part of the sport now, but... But I think it, it, be, it could become self-perpetuating. It becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. if you just... Just keep going. Yeah, so that's... No, it was nothing against Betsy, or... You know that I, I really dig you, and... Uh, how do we come back from that? I don't know. That was weird. Are you still racing at all? No, man. Uh... Done. Done. Like amateur? Like for fun? Colorado? Go do a crit? No, man. My back's so balled up. It's so. How'd balled. that happen? Uh, I crash a couple times pretty good, and then I have um, this hypermobility. Double jointed? Yeah. But like my whole body, basically. So. Your wife must like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if she likes me, but. Uh, I so basically like when you have these like muscle imbalances already and then you're hypermobile like you get out of place and out of whack so easily so yeah so then you just you, I mean for the last five six years I've been riding at 70 80 yeah, percent yeah. you know and it's at a certain point you just get tired of underperforming because then like something great would happen like your back would free up and, and uh, your hips would free up and you're making the front group of 10 or 15 guys at Tour Colorado. Everybody in this has either won a Grand Tour or a Tour stage, except you. And you, like, it. it's a nice feeling, but it also breaks your heart because you know what you can do. Like, I know what my body can do when my back and hips are good. But you're healthy. Yeah, and like, then, you've yeah, seen it. Like, then, yeah, no, I have. And then when, and the thing is, which was even more frustrating, was that when your back is good, then you're like, how do I repeat 
that process and there's no rhyme or reason of how you can repeat yeah. that process because all of a sudden it's out of whack again you're like oh shit here we go again no it, it, it's sad man it's like I, I, I got to the point where I, it made me sad like I'd be cli- I'd drop Ivan Basso on a climb in Colorado and it would like just like man I might never get this again I can't count on this yeah. I would try to like live in the moment enjoy it while I had it but there's a there's that other part of your brain like don't get used to this dude yeah, yeah, yeah. But, well, on that upbeat note, we really like, we tried to save it and we just brought it right back down. <laughs> I will say that I'm going to be team director next year for Mountain Khakis. What? Yeah. And I'm really, really excited about really? it. Really? Yeah. They're going to like a NRC stage race team. I heard they're changing to a stage race team. So yeah. are they like bailing on the crits? Because that's all they were this year. I mean, they're not totally bailing, but they're definitely scaling it back. And yeah, so I'll be team directing at Alberta for them. Oh, good. Yeah. Nice. Cool. So I'm really excited to get in that. Like, so you, got, so you got you guys your director's license? Yeah. Check that box. Dude, I have a direct... I, my USA Cycling license, I'm a pro road racer for one team and a director for another team. I don't know if that license has ever happened before. That's weird. It actually says it on here? Yeah. That is... Okay. Team Optum. Crazy. Isn't that cool? Yep. First class, man. That's good. But I mean, a lot of that's just. Are you? Uh, from... are, you are you driving the bus in Colorado? Yep. Very right, nice. It's great, man. I I love the fact when you get to, you have these friends who like, they don't believe you that you're driving the bus, or they think it's like slub work. But I just love being around racing and being useful. Plus, it's all your friends you've been around with for years. Yeah. You know, the camaraderie. That's that's you know that's the biggest thing when I stopped racing that I missed, you know? The pressure off of my shoulders to train and race and all yeah. that was, was enormous. It was like, oh my God, this is so nice, but the camaraderie with the guys at the dinner table, all that, that was, you, that's a special connection. Did it like, you know how you always think, oh, I, I, I can't get away, to get away from these guys, I'm tired, like get home, etc., etc. And then I did have this weird moment where I realized, maybe I had like an extended amount of time at home, by myself, nobody else in the house, and I realized that like I only knew like a few friends in town. You know, like all my high school, and they've moved away. Those guys don't live. You know, like I really only have like three other friends in town that I could call. Like, fuck, all my friends are in cycling. I'm, I'm in a similar situation. Yeah. Because you're on the road so much, and you're around these guys so much. When you're never at home to be able to go do anything with your friends or stuff like that. So then pretty soon you're just not on their call list and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. I only have a couple people, couple people I can hang out with. Some other couple that I can call with, but otherwise, this is this is this is it. I don't. Yeah, and I don't know if that's sad to say, but this is my world. You do wince at it you know? for a second, but this what is my are you world. Do? I'm happy with it. I like it. I like, I like people in the mountains, like, like you, I love the sport. Yeah. It's a fantastic sport, it's good to be sport. Well, thanks for coming to the podcast. Let Turned away from it all, like a blind man. Sat on a fence, but it don't work. Keep coming up with love, but it's so slashed and torn. Why?